Thanks to Rollbar for sponsoring this episode of Does Not Compute. Everyone has to deal with production errors at some point, and Rollbar simplifies that process by providing intelligent alerts when new problems arise. With Rollbar, you get the context you need to fix errors fast, including stack traces, information about which users have been affected by an issue, request parameters, and more. Instead of getting a flood of email alerts, or worse, having to rely on user-reported errors, Rollbar automatically notifies you about issues using the services you already know and love. It integrates with Slack and HipChat for instant notifications, and can automatically set up new tasks in Jira, Pivotal Tracker, and Trello. Rollbar also hooks into your favorite source control hosts like GitHub, Bitbucket, and GitLab to help you link issues directly to code. Good error monitoring is an essential part of running a production service. If you head over to rollbar.com DNC and sign up, you'll get one month free of Rollbar's bootstrap plan, normally $49 a month. Our thanks to Rollbar, and make sure to check them out today at rollbar.com DNC. Let me tell you, Sean, this uh, new 15-inch MacBook Pro with Retina Display, Touch Bar, and Touch ID (laughs) is a fantastic computer so far. Did you get it its own, its very own wagon so you can carry it around and transport it? Yeah, I bought a new card. It seems so big compared to like, I still have my MacBook. It's sitting on the other desk and I look at it compared to my 13 and my 13 looks like a 15-inch compared to it. So I can't even imagine how big the 15-inch is. It hasn't been a problem so far. So I brought it on a hiking trip. I did like 12 miles in the day this weekend and I had it and it was fine. It wasn't, it wasn't too bad at all. And that seems like a pretty, I mean, as far as like stress tests go for a laptop carrying, that seems pretty all right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you don't have scoliosis now, it's probably fine. <laughs> I'll have to check. <laughs> taking, taking your lap. That's a good stress test. Taking it for a hike. No, that's, that's cool. Cause you told me you're kind of worried about getting the 15 inch because it's, it's been a while since you had a laptop that big specifically. I don't think I've ever actually had a 15 inch laptop. Um, I had a, I had a 17 and that thing was like one of the, I think it was first gen unibody, a 17 inch MacBook pro. Oh my gosh. Aircraft carrier. It was huge. Yeah. Those, those were massive, but they, they've gotten a lot smaller. Um, especially with the, with the touch bar update, they, they really trimmed it down a little bit. It's four pounds now which is less than my first plastic macbook i think that was a five pound laptop which at the time seemed great compared to my brick of a windows laptop that i had before that that's crazy so i mean at this point it's like a really a pretty small computer i can still fit it in my backpack it's tight and it makes it a little bit less comfortable but it's it's doable for sure how's the battery life on that battery life is okay it's okay. Um, I, I would say, I mean, so a lot of my time so far with this has been, I would say like probably about a third of it was the setup time so far. It took forever to get up and going again. And I want to talk about that a little bit more actually later if we can. But um, it lasts probably when I'm really sitting there doing work and, you know, compiling things and rerunning stuff in Xcode and all that. I would say probably five hours-ish. Mm-hmm. If the brightness is down? I, I mean, so that's good. I mean, if you're just sitting there while your computer's doing work and it's working for five hours, that's pretty That's pretty good. Because when I think about people complaining like, oh, this doesn't have all day battery life, but where are you going that you need to be unplugged all day? And what do you do? You know, if people are working in the field, I guess I can see that, but you're still, I still don't know anyone personally that takes their laptop outside and works 
for a full day without access to any sort of right. And I mean, if you were doing that, for example, not that I've been thinking about this a lot or anything, but if you did want to do that, there are there are really a lot of solutions now to to be super mobile with, with these <laughs> laptops. And, and also, if you're really outside all day or in somewhere where you don't have electricity all day, and you have a laptop, you're going to have a bag with you because you're going to have water and food with you as well, presumably. Right. Yeah. Presumably. And you can toss, there are battery packs that you can throw in, the, in there to get a full recharge now pretty easily. Um, it's, it's kind of amazing how rapidly that tech is changing actually. I mean, but still five hours is a far cry from like two and a half or three even, you know, uh, I think when I had uh, the 15 inch unibody and the 17 inch unibody, they really didn't last long at all. If I remember correctly. Um, it was a while back, but five hours seems like to me that's perfectly fine. I enjoyed the MacBook because it lasted so long, um, the 12 inch that is, but my 13 inch really is fine, you know. So I've been working from Burlington a little bit, so hitting different coffee shops, and I've never run into a situation where um, I need to plug in and can't. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, over the course of five hours, especially. Over the course. Yeah. No one's going to sit there for five hours in a Starbucks while I well, just I mean, kind of might. stare Once you get at the that outlet. outlet. <laughs> Like passive, passive aggressively, I might just saunter over and sure. be like, "Hey, give me, let me get that outlet," you know, because no one's gonna say it. Right. Like, who's gonna say no? I wouldn't say no. I'd say, "Sure, you can have it." And in fact, if if you're if you're being prepared, you're gonna carry a splitter anyway. So I always have one in my backpack that oh, yeah, turns one outlet into three. And so then you're insta- you're everyone's best friend. You're like, "Hey, everyone, come on over. There's plenty of power over here," you know. So. People, people will remember you, and you will be popular. Um, and I know this. <laughs> I know this from firsthand experience because they're like, "Hey, that's the guy that has the thing, and we need power, and he's got it." I know he does. So they're going to come over and, and so hang the, out. So anyhow, the uh, the other reason you should always always carry one of those little splitter things is because all of them now. Make sure you get one that has a little surge protector built in. It won't be like a top notch, awesome surge protector, yeah. but whenever you're plugging into somebody else's outlet always best to be safe you know have that little bit of extra protection um and like sean said it'll make you popular everyone will love you and well anytime anytime you're traveling anywhere then you depend on electricity you need to have something like that especially in music because you play some crappy bars and it would just toast your gear um so i've i've only had that happen once and i learned from my mistake and so anytime i went anywhere after that i made sure that anything that i was plugging my gear into had fuses. And so I had a, um, a Furman, uh, basically it's just a giant surge protector, uh, but it can get mounted into a rack. So I had a Furman thing that I plugged my amp head into, and then my pedal board's power supply also had a couple of fuses in it as well. And like I said, it happened to me once and then it never happened again after that. So uh, that's that's some sage advice, making sure that you have something that'll soak up a surge if if uh, one happens. Oh yeah, definitely. Right. It, it's it just- will. It's really not a question so much of if, if as it is a question of when, right? It, yeah. Um, I actually lost a computer to that a long time ago. Um, and it, we had an electrical storm and it was plugged in. Lightning hit one of the transformers outside my parents' house. And uh, the computer actually started sparking. It completely fried the PSU and it caught on fire a little bit. It was, it was pretty ridiculous. So <laughs> It caught on fire? Yeah, it was, it was not that's great. Crazy. So that, that stuff happens quick if you're not protected properly. So, so you sent me a screenshot of your fancy touch bar and I wasn't really a, a fan, but it seems like you've kind of cor- like shoehorned this thing into being 
uh, a touch interface that does whatever you want it to do in any given time? Yeah, so I really like it a lot so far. Um, I'm still getting used to a couple things, and I'll probably make some changes to my setup. Um, but I, I think overall I'm going to be totally okay with this. First of all, the escape key felt kind of weird for a couple days. doesn't really bother me anymore. Um, it's mm-hmm. still sometimes I'm like, oh, that's strange, but it, it's just not that big of a problem. Um, hasn't hasn't really been an issue. Uh, what I was actually miss- missing a lot more than the escape key was the mission control hotkey because I use that all the time. Um, I think mission control is fantastic. I always loved spaces before, um, so that's something I use mm-hmm. a lot. And kind of it just wasn't laid out exactly how I wanted. And programs are changing it around, which I understand that can be useful. But for me, it just was kind of, I, I like having certain things always be persistent and always there, right? Just just right. like with a keyboard. I, I want to be able to touch to it if I can, or as close to it as possible. Right. Yeah. So that may, that's, maybe that's part of the reason why I didn't, I wasn't really interested in a touch bar because I don't want, I don't want people telling me what I need to be doing with my touch interface. That's my decision. Right. You know, it's my computer. Let me decide that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that, I was a little bit concerned about that, but... Thankfully, as it has come through so many times before for so many other things, Better Touch Tool, fantastic, fantastic app that I, everybody who owns a Mac should have, certainly, if you use Apple input devices at least. Um, he added, he has, it's an alpha right now, but he has full touch bar customization. It's fantastic. So, uh, so yeah, so I've used Better Touch Tool. I don't, I don't think I have it installed right now. I need to get back to it because it is handy for... Um, there's so many different gestures that you can use. Like the tip tap is my personal favorite. <laughs> um, but so you can, you can use that and it be like how, okay. So if you're using better touch tool and you, if you swap between applications that would use a touch bar, how does that work? Does it just consistently show you what you want from BTT? So there, there's a couple different ways you can set that up, this up. Um, I have it set up so that I can switch into in, when I'm looking at the system touch bar, and, and this is going to be a little bit in the weeds, I guess, if people don't care about touch bars, but I haven't heard people talking about this in a whole lot of depth. So I, I think it's probably a good thing to go over. Um, so I, when you're looking at the main system touch bar, you have like a couple dedicated hotkeys. There's one for like volume and playback and you know, a couple others that you can set. And then you can kind of expand that to get basically what looks and is the same layout as the old function keys. But I actually keep that closed entirely all the time and I just keep it in this specific better touch tool mode. Um, and that's just a, a button press all the way on the right-hand side for me. That's how I have it configured. And then basically inside Better Touch Tool, you configure these the same way that you would a shortcut for any other input device. Um, but instead of just saying like when I swipe left or swipe up or whatever, it's you define a button which should have the label and an icon and some other some other customizations like color and that sort of thing. Uh, and it can run an Apple script in order to grab grab some sort of data, and which you return in the form of a string. And when you do that, you can either just display that as the title of the of the button, which I do, f- for example, for a now playing thing that shows up. Um, so it's right. just an Apple script that runs every couple seconds. Uh, real real simple, and it's just like tell iTunes give give me the current song, whatever horrible Apple script syntax. <laughs> and sorry, now horrible, overly verbose in my opinion. And then, and then that just shows up on the touch bar. But you can also use it and return that value and then determine like what text shows up based on that or what icon shows up based on that. So like I have a play pause button that I set up that switches. Um, 
And that again, just uses a couple little Apple scripts to, to figure that out, what it, what it should be displaying and all that, and whether it should pause or play or launch iTunes and all, all that kind of stuff. That sounds interesting. So it gives you a really, really huge amount of customization. And then you can also say, just like with the rest of Better Touch Tool, you can go in and say, okay, for this app, I want you to change these out, but le- always leave these persistent all the time. And so you kind of have like a center area that's scrollable that you can customize and then left and right fixed areas that you can also customize. And you can say, when I'm in this app, hide these things, show these things, whatever, and then like keep these things always visible. So I have a couple on the outside that I keep always visible, and I'm still kind of figuring out what I wanted to do for specific apps. Right. See, that's how I would want the touch bar to work. Something more like that, where you can pin things that you always want and some constants. So like you said, you have uh, you have the mission control button that you kind of expect to be there and escape that you kind of expect to be there. And I think it would be frustrating if I'm in the zone and... I'm trying to use things that I'm very used to and they're just not there anymore. Granted, I could always retrain myself. I could stop whining about it and retrain myself, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> I just want it to be there, you know, uh, because I've already trained myself once to to expect it to be there. So that sounds pretty interesting. And like you said, BTT is, if, if, if anyone listening or hearing my voice right now, if you haven't checked it out, you better check it out and you, you know the link's going to be in the show notes. So you better click on that. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic tool. I've been using it for... I, I don't even know, years and years now. It is just the best. And it's always getting better, always supporting cool new stuff. It's it's really cool. Really awesome, awesome app. Can't recommend it enough. Okay, so you mentioned that you wanted to talk more about your setup experience. And I know firsthand you're a man that doesn't, uh, you don't like change that much. And you have things set up the way you like them and that's how they should stay. And so I'm actually very interested to hear about the setup story uh, because you said it took a long time and I know how particular you are about, about things and how you like things. And so I'm interested to hear about how that went and if you changed anything about your setup. Sure. So uh, I, I guess first to answer this, I kind of to give a little bit of detail on why I got this computer, um, like what prompted the switch um, from that perspective. Is I've I've had my primary computer has been a late 2012 27-inch iMac. Um, I got that in early 2013, right after it came out, pretty much, and it's been fantastic. And it's still it's still really a, a pretty great machine. It needs to be formatted for sure because I have not formatted it since I bought it. Um, <laughs> but it's it's still actually pretty pretty beefy. It's it's a good it's a good box. I'm I'm very happy with it, and it's it served me quite well for a long time. Uh, so I had that, and I also have a uh, whatever early early 2016, I think, um, 12 inch MacBook. And so, kind of the issue I was running into is that I felt like I wasn't really using the MacBook. I was using it like an iPad almost, which is to say, pretty much to watch YouTube. That was about it. Mm-hmm. And at least that's how I've always ended up using iPads, um, unfortunately. Right. So, and, and kind of the reason for that is because. I've got all this stuff set up, all this syncing technology, right? I have the iCloud Drive, I've got the Dropbox, I've got obviously everything, all my code goes in GitHub. But like even with that, it's still, if you don't work on a project on a box for you know a few weeks or a month, a lot can change, especially at the stage I'm at with Nest Notes where I'm just making really constant big changes right now still because we're pre, pre-launch. Right. Um, so... It, it was just really tough to actually go and then say, okay, I'm going to take the hour or two it's going to take to get fully set up and switched over and get everything everything back up to spec so I can work on this laptop. And then I have to kind of catch back up on the desktop, and it's, it's just a pain. So I, I really, really 
even with all that syncing technology, for me, having one computer that is my device is still just the best thing for me, I think. And I wanted to get a lot more portable. So I just needed to get something where it could be my only computer. Yeah, I, that's pretty much why I ended up switching away from an iMac too, is because I've been traveling a lot more. I'm about to be gone for a couple of months. Um, headed back to California for a little bit. And that was the, I mean, yeah, I could have an iMac sitting here and a laptop, but it was kind of a pain um, syncing back and forth. And uh, I actually don't use Dropbox anymore. Um, I use Spider Oak One for syncing, but I don't use it like Dropbox. Um, actually, I've been using iCloud, uh, the iCloud storage. So I just have stuff on my desktop and I put it there. And that's how I was kind of keeping like syncing files back and forth. And uh, it worked pretty well, but it's I don't even have to think about it anymore. When I detach from my monitor, I'm ready to go. When I plug back in the monitor, my monitor, I'm ready to go. Nothing has changed. Everything is where I left it. I don't have to sync. I don't have to, oh crap, I have to like reinstall all these NPM modules. And oh, there's some weird version mismatch, even though there's a lock file now. And right. I, don't have to, I don't have any of those problems anymore. Yeah, it's just so much less to think about and so much less maintenance. Um, and, and it just... It makes me a lot more mobile already, certainly. And that is one of the primary things I wanted this laptop for. So the setup process, going back to that, it's still kind of a work in progress. But like the main bulk of it where I was pretty much focused on that and the computer wasn't fully in a state where I felt comfortable using it was about four full days. It was... What, four days? Yeah, it was pretty long. Um, it took it took a very, very long time. Because again, I still have to sync all that stuff back down from Dropbox, gigs and gigs and gigs oh, on this Comcast right. connection. Um, yeah, yeah, and and there's just all the other syncing stuff that has to happen, and just you know, getting all the apps installed, and it's like Creative Cloud, getting all the dev environment stuff set up. So it it was a lot, but I really wanted to do a fresh build because, like I said, I'm reformatted my iMac in four four and a half years ish, and that's just a lot of cruft. I I could have done a time machine port, but that's it. Really, it really needed to be fresh to to get the full benefit of having this new computer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the reason why I keep around, I think it's like a 128 gigabyte uh, thumb drive. And so when I was switching from my MacBook to the MacBook Pro, instead of doing the same thing like you were talking about, instead of doing a Time Machine port over, I just started fresh. And all of the stuff that I would normally sync, I just slapped on that thing and, and then copied it over and it took five minutes or something like that. And then, you know, after a brew install and uh, and a few... A few yarn installs later, I was ready to go. Yeah, I think I'm actually going to pick up probably something like that, a little tiny USB key, but a huge one just to keep a uh, an extra time machine backup on in the future because this is a portable device yeah. and it's my only computer. So like, if something did happen where it was lost or stolen or whatever, I would really, really want to be able to get back up and running quickly and not have a four-day setup process, right? Um, because this is something that I, that I planned for in advance. I'm like, I need it's going to have to happen at some point and it's going to be painful, but I need to set aside this time and really do this right. Right. And I guess that's the only really consideration for me is that, okay, well, what if my one laptop does break kind of screwed? Um, but I've heard of things like that happening in the past. And like I have, I have a time machine backup. If, if all else fails, I have it all. Like I have my home, my entire home directory backed up to uh, what's it called? Spider Oak. And I have my thumb drive. Um, and I also have AppleCare. So I could also just go to Apple and be like, hey, let, let me have a loaner for a minute. And then it might take me a, a couple hours to get set up and working, but I could be productive within you know the time it takes me to drive to the Apple store and back and set stuff up. Yeah, for sure. So 
worst case, like worst case scenario, it, work isn't that important. You know, to be to be quite honest, like there's obviously work is important, and there's things I have going on, and I have deadlines. But I'm trying to like let some of DHH's philosophies <laughs> sink in, um, and just kind of like, yeah, I work hard, and it's not that I neglect work. I don't think it's important, but um, I have other things in my life that are are important as well, and I don't think that. I, I shouldn't have to be stressed. Like that thought shouldn't be in the back of my mind, like stressing me out all the time. Like what happens if this blows up? Right. Yeah, of course. It's not easy. You know, it's harder because that thought natively is there, but that's one thing that I'm actively working on. Right. I, I mean, that that's honestly a big part of why I got this laptop to be more mobile so that I could like not feel that in order to be fully productive, I had to be sitting at home in front of my desk in front of my 27 inch iMac. Like now I right. have literally my full setup can fit in a backpack super easily with other stuff and go on a a 12 mile hike and it's not even an issue at all yeah yeah and you know what what's 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 crazy is that and i'm sure a lot of people feel the same way is that uh when i have one set office i i'm there all day but obviously i'm not working all day and it feels like if I'm taking a break, I'm wasting time. I kind of have like a guilty feeling about taking breaks and stuff like that. Um, and what I've found, and I've, what I've found in the past with having a laptop as my main sh- machine, is that I'll I'll be like, okay, well, I'm not being very productive. I'm going to ride my bike over X coffee shop that has a good Wi-Fi. And um, what's what's cool is that in that 10 minute, 15 minute, whatever walk slash ride to the new location. Uh, I'm relieving stress. I'm outside. I'm exercising a little bit. And then as soon as I get to the new place, I'm ready to go. I feel like I'm ready to focus. I have energy again. Um, it's like a good reset. And so I find that I really need that. And so even though I do live in a really small town right now and I can't really, I could ride a bike, but I would probably get killed pretty quickly <laughs> without people drive around here. They don't pay, there's no shoulders and they don't pay attention, you know? Yeah. Um, so I end up doing a fair amount of walking and it's like a 10 minute walk to, the campus bookstore or there's a little coffee shop opening. So what I'll do is I'll work for the morning where I know I feel productive. And when I start to feel warm and not productive, I'll just leave and I'll go somewhere else. And then I'll work for a couple hours and then I'll just leave there and go somewhere else. So I find that I'm getting those couple hours of spurts where I'm I'm being ultra productive for, for that short period of time. But also I'm not like kicking myself like I don't feel like I'm in my office, but not working at the same time, right? Like if I'm in my office, I feel kind of pressured to be productive. But I don't know. Like the, my my quality of life has really improved in being more mobile. Yeah, those those breaks throughout the day really can the non guilty breaks. I, I think <laughs> yeah, I think that's really important because there's there's definitely a thing that I do sometimes where it's like I'm taking a break, but I don't feel good about it. I feel like I shouldn't yep. be for whatever you know, silly internal reason. Um, and, and when I do that, what I, what I kind of find is that I just don't get anything done and I also don't get it, feel any more relaxed. So I, I think it's important to like give yourself permission to do that if you're going to do it. Right. Yeah. That's the worst because you didn't, you just like took 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour off. And then you were just stressed out the whole yeah. time or you're close enough to hear the email notifications or, Slack notifications or whatever you're you you know things are happening but you're not doing anything about it and you feel like that obligation feeling is what um, really gets me so yeah I'll just shoot off, I'll just fire off a message hey I'll be back I'm gonna go to this coffee shop my coworkers are like that sounds awesome and um, by the time I get there I'm recharged and ready to go that's great 
Um, so the the rest of the setup, the setup process itself, I, I mean, it was long, but I don't know that it was especially interesting. It was it was a lot of like, oh yeah, I thought I was done, but now I remembered these five other things, and, and so that's just kind of you know that is what it is, and a new system build from the ground up to get it fully spec'd out is always going to be kind of a pain. Um, yeah, a couple things that I brought over that I had just recently started using. Finally, I know I stat menus and bartender. <laughs> Uh, yeah. they're great. They're great. Um, really, I use both really of nice. I like looking up, especially on a laptop, like seeing, because it ties into power usage, uh, being able to see my, my CPU is, is great. And network usage, uh, up and down is just kind of a nice, mm-hmm. um, I really like having that on a system level, not just on like, Oh, how fast is this individual download? Uh, it's a pretty, pretty yep. cool thing. Yeah. It's also, I mean, it's also nice too. Obviously you have the web inspector, you can check stuff out, but um, when you're, when you, it's like a kind of a quick glance when you're, when you're using websites, you can see Oh yeah. if there's a big spike, like you're going to see like, what the crap is this site doing? You know? Totally. Totally. It's, uh, it's kind of amazing. Sometimes the stuff that spins your processor up, you wouldn't even think. And just kind of having that monitor to be able to glance up there is, it's just an interesting, nice way to learn a little bit more about how your computer works. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally, I definitely use those. I'm trying to think what else is like t- completely indispensable for me. Nothing really. Like I don't even honestly do use iTerm that much anymore. I just use the terminal in VS Code. Oh, interesting, interesting. Uh, my iTerm switchover, I was a little bit worried about uh, because I've got a pretty, pretty weird customized setup that I use for Dev now. It's got um, like eight panes all the time, mm. and I was worried about fitting that. Um, but that was actually fine. This screen is amazing and massive, and you can really, really crank it up, and it's. It's the best. What what all do you have? I mean, okay, so I assume you have Redis going. I'll will send you a I'll send you a screenshot. Okay. No, so Redis Redis just runs as a as a brew service. Okay. Um, but or, uh, I'll kind of I'll so kind of walk you through side it. Sidekick is what I meant to to say there. Um, sure. So so I have a instance of Heroku local running in one pane, which runs obviously the Nest Notes API. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I'm tailing my dev log in another pane. Um, I have a Rails console open in another, a two tabs set to just the folders for my web client and then my native wrapper, uh, just so I can run commands in there really quick after I'm build commands and that sort of thing a lot. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. and then two instances of the Nuxt app, uh, one of, one mm-hmm. of them, each running on a different port. Uh, one of them is the back for the... Uh, web client and the other one is the back for the native wrapper and then finally just a standard terminal in my dev directory because you got to run random commands all the time you have so much more stuff going on at any given time than i do because uh like if i'm in rails i have sidekick going i have the rails console i don't use Heroku local or anything i just rails rails s it um what else do i have I have guard running my tests. That's it. And I usually in VS code, I have a little, I have the terminal open just a little bit so I can see the test output. So I can see if anything failed suddenly. Yeah. There's a lot of moving parts to the nest nuts architecture. It's, it, I mean, it, with an app and everything, it gets complex pretty quickly. Yeah. The Elixir side is basically the same thing, except I don't have sidekick going. I just have the test output and I have the server output. So Yeah. I, I can also see why your your computer setup would take longer because you're doing native stuff, you're doing Xcode things. I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> Just Ruby and Elixir and some JavaScript. Oh, I uh, one other thing that I had to set up. I switched to Bear after our discussion. I think that's last episode. 
Uh, yeah. How are you finding it? Um, so I did find out there is a import from notes option, iCloud notes, which I actually did not use. Um, I ended up just copying mm. and pasting some notes that I cared about and reformatting them. Um, not a huge deal. Uh, cause I, you know, I've been using notes for a couple of years now and there's a lot of cruft in there. There's a lot of stuff that I need, but it's not like that data is going anywhere. It's just going to sit there. Right. And if I really need something, I can go back and access it if I can't find it in bear and then just copy it over. Not, not a problem. And it saves a lot of cruft in the long run, I think, um, to kind of clear things yeah. out. Um, it's great. So how are you, how are you? Yeah. You're liking it. Yeah. It's, it's really fantastic. Sync seems reliable and the markdown support is pretty good. It's weird. They use like their own, their own different markup language. I don't know what it is by default. Um, but it's a little bit different than markdown. Uh, but you can just toggle the markdown compatibility mode, but it seems, seems really solid. One of the only issues I've noticed with that markdown compatibility mode is when you do a checklist, like in GitHub flavored markdown, which is usually like a, a bullet, a space, square bracket, square bracket, another space. It's like it's like a normal list, but with square bracket check mark thing next to it. Um, you right. know what I'm talking about. Anyway, yep. uh, so you you can normally do that with any of the markdown list characters, like a, an asterisk or a dash or a plus sign. Uh, I think you can do mm-hmm. it with a plus sign at least. Um, but you can only do it with a dash, weirdly, in Bear. Um, so hopefully they fix that. That would be cool. But uh, other than that, really solid really solid markdown support so far. Yeah, I, I actually switched how I'm doing my checkboxes because of Bear, so now I always use dashes. Yeah, I really prefer the asterisks for lists. But uh, Yeah, that's what I was doing before. I just, actually, I just use Command-T now when I'm in uh, Bear. And what's funny is that I made a keyboard. I made my own little snippet and keyboard shortcut in VS Code. So when I'm doing show notes and stuff, I just... Um, it's not Command T, uh, but uh, I can basically just add and or toggle checklist items with a keystroke. Interesting. That's pretty cool. Because I saw that in Bear, and I was like, "This is very nice." I really wish you could do it in GitHub because I have tons, hundreds, in fact, of checkbox items in GitHub. But yeah, probably wouldn't be too hard. Maybe I should write my own extension. I don't know. Maybe I should do that. I probably won't do it, but it sounds like a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I have so many of those like every day. It's like how many how many of these stupid micro projects can I really make though? So many. I mean, you saw you seen like when I was doing the shipping update for DK, you saw the giant ass list that oh yeah, the giant list that was there. That was huge. It was a big list. Overall, though, no, I've I've been really happy with Bear so far. I'll have to give it you know a couple more weeks probably to really feel it out and see if if I'm if I'm liking it long term. But so far, I I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be really great. Um, one issue that I've run into, which obviously is my own fault because I'm the worst, I'm running on High Sierra <laughs> and iOS 11. Uh-huh. And in High Sierra, there's a bug where you can't change the themes and it's stuck on this theme that I don't really like. But I, I'm i accepting that as my karmic punishment for running my main machines on these <laughs> operating systems when they are not ready. Yeah, I was surprised. Well, I... My initial reaction was surprised when I found out that you were on High Sierra, but then I shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it's surprising only because you think nobody could be that dumb. A lot of people are doing it. <laughs> well, I forget that you don't go on Twitter much anymore, but according to Twitter, a lot of people are doing it. Today's episode of Does Not Compute was brought to you by Rollbar. Rollbar makes it super easy to detect, diagnose, and fix production errors. Better yet, Rollbar can integrate with any major language or framework in just minutes, so you can start tracking down errors today. Learn more by visiting rollbar.com DNC, and you'll get one month free of their bootstrap plan.